Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. My name is Ethan. If we haven't got a chance to meet yet, I would love to meet you after the service. I um, just bought a house a few months ago, and uh, in the backyard and the front yard, there were some natural areas, all right, which uh, really means there was some ivy and some kind of overgrowth growing, and uh, I didn't want that anymore, and so um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get rid of this and plant some grass. So I started the process with my dad in our backyard of, of mowing down some of this shin and knee-high brush, okay? And in my mind, I'm thinking, I know who lives in this kind of area. Snakes, right? They love it. They love it. But the whole time we did it, we saw nothing. I'm with my dad, and he's this manly man, so I'm confident when I'm with him. Even if I see a snake, I'll be fine, right? So uh, fast forward a couple weeks, I'm like, I'm going to start on the front yard, so I started in the front yard, and within 10 seconds of me being alone in my front yard, I see the snake, and he's about 23 feet long, <laughs> about eight inches in diameter, or at least that's what my mind told me. And so this is what happened. <clears throat> I calmly took a breath. I recognized what kind of snake it was, okay, because you've got to know what kind of snake it is. I, uh, I walked up to him gently. I grabbed him by the back of the tail or his body. I guess he's all one tail. Does he have a tail? I, anyway, I grabbed him at the very end and I gently took him to the very back of my property. Well, that's what I should have done. What I actually did, <laughs> I said some words that I can't repeat on this, on this stage and I ran away very quickly. He's still there, I'm sure. What happened was this fight or flight mode kicked in. Now, fight or flight, if you're unfamiliar, is this physiological reaction, okay? It's, it's so your body goes into this like shock, so you, you run or you fight. It's a reaction that occurs in response to a perceived harmful event, attack, or threat to survival. You're gonna, you're gonna fight or you're gonna flight. Or when I see a snake, I flight or flight. It's just, there's no other option, just flight or flight. Now, you can sit here and judge me, okay? I know you are, but I know for a fact that you have all seen a mouse or a cockroach or a spider or something that has sent you running into the other room. Now, why am I telling you this? Because the reality is that we all run from Things. If you're anything like me, we are all running from something. And not just snakes or bugs or spiders, but something a little bit bigger. It doesn't matter how old you are, how successful you are, how confident in yourself you are. We are all running from something. It was a mistake that you made. It's a broken relationship that you just can't seem to fix. It's that pain that you caused. It's the abuse that you experienced from childhood. It's the addiction that you just cannot come, come to terms with. Maybe you're even running from God. There's something 
has been, is, or will be, that when you think about it, you want to put a little distance between that thing and you. I'm, going to dis- I'm not going to think about that because when I think about it, something happens. Whatever it is, it left a crater of pain, a crater of, of guilt or shame in your gut. And when you look at it, when you think about it, when you stop running for just a second, it fills you with anxiety and regret and shame. So you run and you hide and you pretend it never happened or you pretend it wasn't that big of a deal. You want to put as much space in between you and that thing, that pain, as you can. So my hope for today is for us to actually acknowledge the thing that we're running from. For us to acknowledge that we're running from something. For us to acknowledge that we have something in our life that we just can't get close to. For us to look at the Bible, see what the Bible says about running, because the Bible is actually full of characters that ran, tons of characters that ran. And my ultimate hope is for us to find a possible solution for our running. So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about this guy named Elijah, okay? And and like I said before about people running in the Bible, we're about to find out that Elijah's no different. So just get to give you a little bit of, of a backstory and a little bit of a summary before we start today. Um, the, the king during Elijah's time was King Ahab and his wife was named Jezebel. Now, here's the cool thing about Jezebel. She hated God and she hated God's people. She just wanted to get rid of them. She wanted to kill them. So she was a super nice lady. She actually at one point was trying to kill as many of God's people and prophets as possible. Last week, we talked about that, that uh, Elijah had, had really tried to come up with this, this plan of, of showing these people that God was who he said he was. And so what he, had, what he did was he, he took some ordinary stones and he built an altar and these other prophets of this other God built an altar with stones And they wanted to see whose God would show up first and burn the sacrifice in the altar. Now, God did as what God does. He was the only one to show up and burn the altar. And so as the fire came down and burned up the offering and the altar itself, it proves that Baal was not God and God was God. And as a result of that, as a result of that interaction's those other prophets were captured and killed. And as a result of that, we find ourselves in 1 Kings 19. So Ahab just witnessed everything that I just shared. And this is what it says. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that one of them. Basically, Elijah, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you because of what you've done. I don't like God and I don't like the prophets of God and I don't don't like the people of God and because of what you have done, you're toast, you're done. So, Verse three says this, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. 
He ran for his life, rightfully so. He was going to be murdered when he came to Beersheba and Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He was so afraid. He was running so fast and so far that he was like, you know what? Just kill me, God. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. What a great nap. Wake up and there's some cake. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Hereb, the mountain of God. There he went to a cave and spent the night. Now, it continues and says this. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. Put a pin in that. He's running. God says, what are you doing? He's like, listen, I've done everything that you said to do. I'm running because I don't want to die. I am the only one left who loves you, God. There's no one left. There's no one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Put a pin in that. He was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not... In in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, like the fire before that God was in, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a whisper, a gentle whisper, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied once again, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. I'm by myself on the run. And now they are trying to kill me too. And then God tells Elijah about two men, one including, one being Elisha, who we're going to learn about next week. And he says this, yeah, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. 7,000, you are not alone. There's 7,000 more who have not worshipped Baal. There's a few things that I want to look at in this because I believe it's incredibly important for us to know these things. Because like I said before, we're all running from something. The first thing I want you to know is this. And this may be, you may know this, but I want you to remind yourself each and every day God cares about you and what you're going through. God cares about you and what you are going through. I don't know what, you, what kind of baggage you brought in the door, but God cares about it because he cares about you. God cared for Elijah. He cared for him 
to be with him on Mount Carmel with the fire and the altar guard. God cared for him enough to be with him while he was running. We see in, in Matthew's gospel, it says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, I believe this is referring to persecution, but I also believe that the principle here is true that God cares about you. I love my children so much. I would, I would give my life for them, but I don't know how many hairs are on their head. That's crazy. It says that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, some of you, that might be easier than others. No judgment, I'm catching up. The second thing is this. It doesn't matter what you're running from or how long you've been running from that thing because God is running after you. God is running after you. Although Elijah was running, God was with him the entire way, not only on Mount Carmel, but also in the cave, not only in the fire, but also with the whisper. When my son Liam was like three or four, we were at the beach and this is probably every parent's nightmare. He was playing just right there. And we looked away for 30 seconds. And then we look up and he's gone. He's gone. So we, we look and we look and you never, I never want to be that parent who instantly freaks out. Like you want to play it cool. Like I didn't lose my kid. It's fine. And then you start panicking a little bit and you start wondering, what well, did he go in the water? Did he go? So what I did was I started going down the beach to look for him. My wife went the other way. Now, what I did not do is after a certain point say, well, it is what it is. I guess he went too far and now he's just someone else's problem. <laughs> That'd have been nice, but the braces we're paying for right now. No, what did I do? What did my wife do? I'm going to look for him for as long as it takes. I'm going to run down this beach until I see him and I get him and I bring him back. I would have ran on that beach all day until I found him. God is no different. He is chasing after you. Now, now don't get confused. He's not like, he doesn't need us. He's not like a needy girlfriend who's like, call me back in five minutes. I love you. No, he wants a relationship with you. So he's pursuing you. He is with you. Even if the thing you're running from is him, is him. He's still with you. This verse, in my opinion, communicates the heart of God and how he feels about you. This is Jesus' words. He says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one who wandered off? He has 99 sheep and one leaves. And Jesus is saying, God's heart, you really want to know how God feels about you. He would leave the rest of those to find you. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So regardless of what you are running from, this is actually why he sent Jesus to allow a relationship with you to start. 
to allow a relation with us to begin. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't because you earned it or because I deserved it. He didn't look out and say, out of this crowd, there's a few bad ones, but it's okay. Or out of this crowd, there's mostly bad, but there's a few good, so I'll send Jesus. It wasn't like that at all. He looked out and said, you all fall short, but I'm sending my son because you're worth it and 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 because you're worth it. I'm sending my son because it's worth it. You see, the gospel, Jesus' life and his death, it actually gives us freedom from what we are running from. The gospel gives us freedom and peace and rest from what we are running from. God not only pursues you, but he meets you where you are. The third thing is this, God meets you where you are. Elijah had just seen this very impressive, very large display of God's power in the fire. But that's not what he needed in the moment. That's not what he needed. You, you remember that, that in the cave, there was, there was fire and there was wind and an earthquake, but God was in those because Elijah, he didn't need that right now. He didn't need the big and the loud. What did he need? He needed a whisper. He needed something way more personal. So God met him with a whisper. He wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he was in the whisper. God meets us where we are. I hear all the time, I'm just so far from God that like, I almost like, need to like, clean myself up before, before I, I see him again. No, no, no. He meets you where you are. You feel far away, maybe you've been running. No, he's been with you. He's going to meet you where you are. I believe if we allow God, if we allow him, he will provide us what we need and when we need it. Not what we think we need and when we think we need it, but what we need and when we need it. The fourth thing is this. God reminds us that we are not alone. I mean, I wrote this for me, that I'm not alone. I'm constantly surrounded by people, and I love it. I'm extroverted, and I've got kids and dogs and a wife and people, and there's, it's, it's great. And sometimes you just feel like I'm running, and, and I'm by myself. I'm running, and there's no one really around me because no one really gets it. No one gets what I'm running from. No, one, no one's ever experienced the thing that I've experienced. No one's ever done the things that I've done. No one's ever hurt the way I've hurt. No one's ever hurt the people that I've hurt. No one has the experience that I have had. So there's no way you're gonna understand. And if I can't feel confident and comfortable with humans not understanding the way I feel, then how in the world can I even fathom the God of the universe understanding how I feel? 
I'm alone. I'm running. Because you know it just as well as I. If you've been running, there's a tendency to feel alone. I'm the only one who struggles with this. I'm the only one that has this addiction. My wife and I are the only ones who have these problems. My family and I are the only ones who have these problems. So I can't share it with anybody else. And I can't share it with him. I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one who is afraid of this. I'm the only one who struggles with this. There's a friend of mine in this church who uh, in the fall is going to be starting a, uh, a crew, a small group uh, called Celebrate Recovery. And when he shared his story with me, when he shared his story with me, one of the things that stood out in my mind was this, this idea of, I feel like I'm the only one with this problem. I'm going to church, but I have this addiction. I do the right things, but I, I have this struggle. I'm the only one who deals with this. And then he said something, I don't even know if he said it just like this, but I remember it, him saying, I just thought I was the only one who dealt with this. I thought I was alone. I thought I was alone. You know, we say, we say um, belong before you believe a lot here, which I love because it's, it's true. We want you to feel comfortable kicking the tires of Christianity. But today, I want to say this room is, is, is safe for runners and not like Phil who's running like 20 miles a week in his hokas. Unless you're running from the police, don't be in here. Can't go to, can't go to prison again. This place is safe for runners. You feel like you're running. You feel like you're alone. You feel like you're distant doing this alone. Come in here. Come back. It's safe for you here. It's safe for you to slow down in here. To slow down and realize that you're not alone. It's, it's safe for you to stop running, to slow down and start actually searching. Because when you're running, you can't search. You're just trying to stay alive. But when you slow down in here, when you slow down in a small group, which we call crews, when you slow down in a one-on-one with someone that you trust, then you can start searching for answers, for truth. You can start searching for what you really need to be running to, not from. Throughout this entire series, we've, we've looked at, at some interesting ordinary objects. We've talked about how God takes very ordinary things, ordinary people like Elijah and does extraordinary things through them. Things like a raven, things like a simple rock, things like a pair of stinky shoes that I hope you guys can't smell. He does amazing things through our ordinary And running, and let me just say this as clear as possible, running is ordinary. It's common. We all do it. Don't feel like you're alone because you've been running. Running is ordinary, but through God's power, we're able to stop and find peace. We're able to slow down a little bit look around us and say, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. There's people around me who care for me 
and, and want to see me get out of this and want to help me and want to encourage me and lift me up and care for me and love me. I'm not alone. I don't have to run. I can face that pain. I can face those doubts. I can face that broken relationship and begin to mend it because I'm surrounded by people who care for and love me and I'm being pursued by a God who loves me and sent his son for me. So I wanna offer you some next steps. Um, the first one is this. It's a little self-assessment. Realize what you are running from. There's something, I promise you. It's that thing that you think about when you're up at 3 a.m., you can't sleep and it's that that thing that you just, ah, I can't, I gotta I distance myself. I gotta distance myself. It's that thing that makes your gut hurt when you think about it. It's that thing that when you see that person at the mall, people go to malls anymore? I don't think so. When you see them, you kind of like, you know, you don't want to st stick around too much because you know that that might, that pain might come back up. What are you running from? You gotta figure it out. You gotta look at it in the face. And I think it's healthy to talk about it. I think it's healthy to go to counseling. I think it's healthy to, to bring it up to a, a trusted friend. Hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. Go to a paid counselor and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. I'm running from this. It's not healthy. Please help me. Realize what you're running from. And the second thing is this. Ask yourself this question. How does the gospel offer hope to me? How does the gospel offer hope to you? Because I guarantee you, the gospel offers hope to what you are running from. The Bible is full of people who were running from things, away from God, away from Jesus. And the funny thing is the gospel offers hope to them. And so the gospel offers hope to you today. Realize what you are running from and then realize how the gospel offers you hope. And as you realize those things, you will begin to take a step towards Jesus. Because as you take a step towards Jesus, that is where true peace and rest happens. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.